The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. All right, so here we are, the week after Easter. All the celebrations, all the family stuff, all the food, all the excitement, all the people shouting, Christ is risen! Hallelujah! But somehow, somehow that just seems a little different this week than it did last week. I mean, as I look out at you, uh, it's a little different congregation. Maybe by the, the sheer number, I don't know. But, but as I thought about this, and as I've been asked questions uh, last week, you know, Pastor Tony, why can't every uh, Sunday be like an Easter Sunday? Like, well, I just think it in my head. I didn't ask, you know, what does that mean, you know? Every Sunday. What, what's the difference between an Easter Sunday faith versus every regular, you know, old Sunday kind of faith? Well, is there a difference? You know, did they mean, hey, was the, were the worship songs better, you know, than because there were more people here? Was it more passionate? Was it more joyous? Don't get me wrong. It is truly a, a, a chance to, to, to live out our faith. But I'm thinking, you know, an Easter Sunday faith, that's kind of, it's an easy thing to do. You know, everybody's dressed up. Everybody's joyous, rightly so. I mean, but living out our faith on a regular Sunday basis, hmm, I think it's a little tougher. Easter Sunday, yeah, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the people who are, are not here this Sunday don't have faith. All I'm saying is that it's just easy to live out an Easter Sunday kind of faith as opposed to every Sunday, every Sunday, myself included, you know. I mean, getting up early, not having a good night's sleep, you know, coming here. Lord, how are you going to bless me today? And as I see your faces and I see new people, I mean, I'm blessed. I don't know about you guys. Are you? It's good to be here the week after Sunday, after Easter. But why does it seem like there's a difference? I think we could just key in on this word, just the word faith. I think we, we could acknowledge that we come into this place and sometimes we come in with a strong faith. And sometimes we come with a weak faith. Some of us have long, kind of time-tested, trialed faith. I'm mature in faith. Some of us are new believers. We're, we're trying to figure out, well, what is this all this stuff about faith? What is it that, that I believe, that I just heard? You're new to Christianity. And I think if we acknowledge that, of course, there's a difference. There's a difference because there are different sizes and amounts and quantities of faith. Scripture tells us. Jesus' words to several different people. For example, he says to his disciples, Oh, you of little faith. But then he says to a woman who's just believing, Woman, you have great faith. And then the the one of his followers, you know, Lord, I believe, help my what? Help my unbelief. And he says, Oh, you need his faith like um, a mustard seed. So we can acknowledge that this faith is, is different for everyone. And it fluctuates and it wavers between faith and, and doubt. And so as we begin our sermon series called Evidence, you're invited. No matter what size, faith, or strength that you have or you think you have, you're invited to test your faith over the course of these weeks. To even doubt. To seek evidence. To wrestle with the Christian truths that we're going to be sharing from the pulpit. You know, God has given us a mind, yes, and a reason and emotions 
and we're to use them. We're to use them for His purposes. But always, if you look up here for just a minute, always bowing our reason and our mind and our emotions to God's Word of truth. That this would be first and that our mind and our emotion, our reason would be second and that we could reconcile that with the Word of God. That's the opportunity that we have as we go through this series. And then culminating with uh, Dr. Gary Habermas, I don't even know how to say his name. Joe says Habermas. I say Habermas. I don't know. I even asked uh, Don Haney, his brother-in-law. How do you say that? He doesn't even know. So hopefully he'll, you know, we'll get that introduction right. Uh, I say, I don't even know what I say. How would you say it? Dr. Gary Habermas, but one of uh, just renowned scholar in New Testament history. He's going to share the biblical, scriptural, extra-biblical evidence of the resurrection and kind of compare that to some other historical evidence at Christ's time. And so leading up to that, we'll have a series of, of setting a foundation for God's truth and that we would be able to engage in it. So I don't doubt that many of you who come today, you might be feeling weak in faith. I don't know about your life, but maybe you've had somebody just die recently, a close friend, and you're questioning, you know, what is life after death? Maybe you're weak in faith because you're in a relational mess. And you're saying, Lord, how long is it going to be like this? Maybe you're weak in faith because you just were diagnosed with a serious illness. I don't know. God knows, though, and he knows the doubts we have. And he takes them all. And so, it, I guess, what do we do then? Is a, it's just a word of encouragement for you this week and the next. That every single Christian, we live between faith and doubt. We just do. It fluctuates back and forth. We believe, and then we don't believe. Doubt knocks on, the souls, on our souls, even as strong Christians. And so as you hear me speak this message, you'll hear me say, yes, it's okay to doubt. Why? Because unbelief and doubt are a natural part of our human existence. You know, I often wondered if somebody doesn't even want to open the doors to the church, doesn't even want to come if, when they're invited because they think they've got to have everything right. They have to believe everything that this church believes before I can even go in to church. Well, that's not just the case. Come anyway. If you're angry with God, come anyway. He's got big enough shoulders to take it, to take your anger and to take your doubt. If you can't reconcile a cruel world with a loving God, come anyway. If you think you're beyond redemption, what? Come anyway. Come anyway. That's what we want because we want to be honest with ourselves and with each other. That we have these doubts and we have these questions. And I want to define doubt this way. I used a dictionary in the 1800s, Daniel Webster Dictionary. It says about doubt to waver or fluctuate in opinion. To be apprehensive. To be in uncertainty of mind about a fact. To question. To hold questionable. To be unsettled in this state of opinion. I want you to look at that definition and I want you to see, did you notice that what is not in there is that it's the opposite of faith. Doubt is not 
the opposite of faith. And as Christians, we hold to some things that we believe in. You know what? God is three persons, but one God. How is that? How is that? God, you know, Jesus came from a virgin. What? That he's fully God and fully man. That this plain, simple water forgives sins? That when we take Holy Communion, you eat the bread and the wine, that it's actually his body and blood? I mean, how do we figure that out? We can't understand it. We have doubts. We have a finite mind. But God is infinite. And so our opinions, our doubts, they fluctuate. And really, that's okay. But yet God doesn't want us to stay there, to live in that doubt. Because he wants us to reconcile. He wants to engage us in this word of God to hear the truth. And that's the the privilege we have as believers to do that there's so many examples in the scriptures people who are unbelieving and had doubt abraham and sarah did they doubt absolutely are you gonna give me a a a child in this old age come on moses don't pick me god i can't talk no choose somebody else gideon god proved to me really i'm gonna lay out the fleece really jeremiah i'm just a child don't pick me god elijah i'm the only prophet left really No, Elijah, open up your eyes. I'm going to show John the Baptist, are you really? Send somebody. He's in jail. Is this guy really the Savior, Messiah? And I love the way Pastor Joe said it last week. Even his own disciples who heard Jesus' message, they didn't understand. They didn't expect him to rise from the grave. And yet he did. Prominent Christians even. C.S. Lewis. How many have read the Chronicles of Narnia? I read those all to my kids two different times. Awesome book. Awesome analogies of who God is and who Jesus is. He, he doubted on the intellectual side of faith. He had doubts. Mother Teresa of Calcutta found a book of letters where she was questioning her salvation and her faith. Even Martin Luther, the father of Protestantism. And later in his life, he doubted his calling, his salvation and faith. I mean, if Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Gideon, then all these people, what about us? Yes, it's okay to doubt. Now, there's an author, his name is Oz Guinness. I want you to look at his quote from a book, In Two Minds, The Dilemma of Doubt and How to Resolve It. He says, if ours is an examined faith, we should be unafraid to doubt. If doubt is eventually justified... We were believing what clearly was not worth believing. But if doubt is answered, our faith has grown stronger. It knows God more certainly, and it can enjoy God more deeply. I love those words because, in other words, no matter what size and strength your faith is, you're going to doubt sometime in life. And that's an eventuality. It's going to happen. And because of that, we don't want to say, oh, am I sinning? Because there's no our relationship with God can grow deeper because of doubt. Maybe you are in those seats and you're like me. And you're saying, you know, just because somebody had a good experience with faith or with God doesn't mean that I'm not going to have it, right? Just because they did it, no, I want my own. You see, here's the thing. Faith is a personal thing. We want to experience it for ourselves for myself. Just because somebody says, hey, that food's really good. You should, you know, you got to believe me on this one. No, I'm going to try it. Or just so, because somebody says, 
This activity, I mean, you got to experience it for yourself. Just, just trust me on this. Believe it. No, I got to check it out. I got to find out for myself. I got to experience it. And so somebody who says, you know what? Skydiving is really cool. Huh? What do I got to do? I got to try it. So here's how it went down. There's this crazy, awesome, like, uh, I think he calls himself a jump master, military. You know, he's an army special forces, you know, the Green Beret kind of guys. Faith, uh, name shall be, re- remain nameless, or I won't say the name, but however, he's over my house telling the story to my kids and my family about military skydiving, halo jumps, you know, high altitude, low opening kind of stuff. And here's what's going to happen. I'm like, all of a sudden, words just come out of my mouth. Oh, I'd really like to experience that too. Oh, what did I just say? To a special, you know, forces guy. hoo Heard, understood, acknowledged. Let's go. What? So between the time we were going and the time we were... No, between the time I said yes until the time I was going, I'm like, Lord, what did I just say? Because there's still time to say no. Help me understand. Am I testing you? Because I don't want to test God, you know? On, on, at the same time, my prayer is, God, take all my fears, all my doubt, all my faith. I'm in your hands anyway, whether I live or I die, you know? And then statistically what's going through my head, I mean, what's, what's more dangerous? Me driving to the drop zone or me dropping out of an airplane from 14,000 feet? It's the first one. Me driving through to the drop zone. But I'm thinking about this, my faith, my doubt, it's all flux, it's all in my head. And then you get up to 14,000 feet, right? And, and the guy says, one, two, and he doesn't go to three because you just push out of it at two. Because everybody else is going to go like this. And then we enjoy one minute and, or endure. <laughs> one minute of free fall. And it's amazing how many things go through your head. Am I really attached to this guy? Is it, when's he going to pull the chute? I hope I get to kiss my wife again and see my kids you know, it's a whole minute's worth of falling. And guess what? You get to enjoy a little bit about that now. Why don't you take a look at this video? Yeah, we're going first. <laughs> You're going to die first. That is not... <laughs> You don't have to take my word for it. You can experience it for yourself. It was one of the most exhilarating things I've done in my life. Thirteen others, worship team and staff, also went along that day in the summer. It was unbelievable. Don't take my word for it. Go ahead and jump. But we have doubt. Are you doubting that? (laughs) 
How many of you would, no, don't even raise your hand. We all have doubts in our lives. Why? Because we, we're limited in our minds, in our reason. We don't understand. We have imperfect imperfect faith. But here's the thing. Doubt is a normal and an important part of this process called faith. It is. It's an important part of the process of true faith. Because in our culture, got that? The next slide. It is. We try in our culture, you know, how many times we hear when you go in a courtroom you know, and you say, what you're about to hear is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We want evidence. We want evidence in our culture. that We just demand it. We want the facts. It's hard for us to wrestle and be in doubt. We don't want that. It's just too hard. Hard to examine and try to figure out the dilemmas of life. You know, how can, you know, how can God, who is all loving, allow all this to happen? And all kinds of questions in our minds we wrestle with, and we don't want to have that, but God yet brings to us, gives to us this way to actually investigate, to, to go and actually get the evidence. Look for yourself. See for yourself what I'm saying is true. We're going to do that. You're going to open up your Bibles, please, to John chapter 20, verses, beginning in verse 24. John chapter 20. God's word, Jesus appearing to a doubter. His name was Thomas. Jesus appears to Thomas, John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, who was actually a twin, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my hand to his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand. Put them into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. We're going to get back to John 20 in just a minute. But I'm going to ask you, it's seven days after our Easter, celebra- our Easter celebration. One week later, what's your level of doubt with this story? What is it truly? Do you, do you find yourself or have you found yourself in life doubting like Thomas? Did this really happen? You know, is this true? Is this real? Did you ever say like Thomas did, unless I see it for myself and experience it for myself, I'm not going to believe? Now, Thomas, he gets a bad rap. But all the other disciples did the same thing, essentially. Luke chapter 24, verses 11 to 12 tell us this. But they, the disciples, they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. He went away, wondering. I like the way Pastor Joe said it last week. He said, Peter went, hmm. You remember that? Well, here, it's right from here. He's wondering. Wondering, probably in doubt, what happened. 
Sounds like doubting to me and all the other disciples. They wanted evidence in order to believe. So Jesus comes to Thomas. Jesus comes to Peter. He comes to all the disciples. I'm risen from the dead. It's true. Here it is. Now, we're not told if, if Thomas actually touches Jesus' hands inside. We, we're not told that. But what we are told is, he says, my Lord and my God. He gets the divinity of Jesus. He understands the purpose of why Jesus had to come. You see these nail marks? He understood the price he had to pay. That he was crucified for our sins, but he rose again for our justification. You know what justification means? Just as if I've never sinned. I'm justified before God. That he sees me as holy and righteous because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's good news. Doubt It isn't the absence of faith. But what if we begin to say, I'm going to embrace the doubt that I have. I want to do that. I want to embrace it. I want to know it. I would acknowledge it. It's not a lack of faith. But could it be perhaps a step towards greater faith? Remember I said doubt is a very real part of the process of faith. There's an author by the name of Frederick Buechner. He writes in a book, Doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. I love that word picture. It's the ants in the pants of faith because it was in my life. You know, I grew up in a church. I never opened a Bible. Not until I was 19 years old. And I began to have these ants in the pants. Like, I'm just not going to believe what my church tells me to leave blindly. And I'm just not going to be a robot and go to church and then just go home and just... No. When I was a teenager in my, my early 20s, I began to open up the Word of God for myself. To seek the evidence. To understand the grace that was given to me in my baptism. It's a real thing. Grace is a real thing. Faith is a real thing. God, help my unbelief. I wanted to taste. I wanted to see. I wanted to experience God. So asking questions is exactly what we're invited to do. It's just like jumping out of a perfectly good airplane at 14,000 feet. God wants us to do that. In our Christian walk in life, go ahead. It's a great adventure, isn't it? Our Christian faith, you never know what's going to happen today. Who you're going to see. What you're going to do. What's going to confront you in life. And our faith and what we believe in about a resurrection. That's the foundation of it. And that's what we're going to be studying. Seek that evidence. As Christians, we don't need to be afraid to ask difficult questions. To inquire. to, To reflect on what God's word says. God wants us to do that. He's not afraid of our questions. He welcomes them. And I just love what he does with Thomas. He gives all the attention to Thomas. Thomas, you're the one that's doubting right now. You know, I'm going to come to you. Peter, you disown me three times. I'm coming directly to you. Doubt, it's a force. It's a drive that really propels us into a deeper relationship with God. And just as God came personally to Peter and Thomas, don't you think he's going to come personally to you when you're doubting, in your fears, in your faith walk, God's going to do that. Why do I know that? Happened in my life, but you can experience it yourself. How, when you hear from God, when you open up his word, and you begin to study it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. At the end of the day, doubt is what really keeps us going. It makes our faith alive and full because all of us, wouldn't you agree, all of us, we want this experience from a risen Lord and Savior. We want to know that his love is greater than all my doubt. His mercy that comes for me. His forgiveness that comes to me. 
Am I beyond redemption if you're in sin right now at this moment? No, you're here listening to why he died for you, why he rose again for you. He loves you that much. And so we can shout out whenever this happens with doubt. Mark chapter 9, verse 24, just like the man who said, he cried out, the Bible says, I do believe, but what? Help me overcome my unbelief. There are points in life when we're going to have strong faith. And there are points in life when we're going to have faith like a mustard seed. Like it's just weak. And we need people around us, surround us with God's love. Because God doesn't want us to stay in our doubts. He wants to push us forward into faith. To have this abundance of faith that we might know him fully. We're going to conclude today with that passage in John 20, verses 29 to 31. Read, uh, read that uh, along with, not w- along with me, but I'm going to read it for you. John 20, verse 29. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. When those disciples believed, when they were unbelieving, didn't real, realize, understand that this Jesus was going to rise again from the dead and they saw him personally, it changed their world. It rocked their world. They went out into the world and they said, You can have forgiveness in the name of Jesus because I saw this dead man rise again. That's the truth of Scripture. And yet we have, a da- we have a God who embraces our doubts. That's what he does. He embraces our doubts. We have a God who says, I know, I made you. I know you want evidence. You want evidence? I'm going to show you. I'm alive again. And I'm going to walk this earth for 40 days before I send into heaven. 500 people are going to see me. And they're going to write about it. And they're going to die in the catacombs of Rome like we saw. Knowing and believing this fact that we have a risen Savior. So doubt, it's not a bad thing. Doubt is what teaches us that we don't have all the answers. And that we need to know God's truth. God, show me your truth. In the back of your bulletins, I put, uh, you know, we usually have weekly readings for you. Uh, This week I put a link to a website to a Bible study. It's called It's Okay to Doubt. It's Okay to Doubt. I don't know if you've ever asked that question. Is it okay to doubt? Have you ever asked that, God? Is it, am I sinning because I'm even asking that question? Is it okay to doubt? Maybe, maybe instead you would think, rephrase that question and just say, what does God think of my doubts? I mean, if all these other people in the scriptures and all these prominent Christians are doubting, well, I'm just like them. So God, take my doubt. But God, give me faith. Give me faith. He'll take weak faith. He'll take strong faith. But he wants us not to linger in our doubt. Thomas didn't. Jesus came to him. And I pray that Jesus would come to you. That as you go through these weeks of seeking evidence, that he would come to you in a real in a personal way, just like he did with Thomas, just like he did with the disciples. And then one day, one day,
we're gonna see him face to face. Amen? And when that happens, all our fears, all our doubts, they're gone. They're gone. You wanna experience that someday? I do. Amen?